Yo, this Shaq Barrett. I saw a linebacker with the Bucks. You listening to the Fourth and Forever podcast with Stored and Dern. Hello and welcome back to the 4th and Forever podcast. My name is Stuart Bothell and his name is Darren Butter and together we form the greatest tag team duo since the Dudley Boys. Darren, firstly, how are you doing? Secondly, how about that intro, man? The intro's pretty cool. Um, don't know how you swung that, but um, yeah, thanks to Shaq for taking the time to, to shout us out. Yeah, well, you know, I've, I've got uh, I've got my fingers and some pies here and there. I've got to use my connections. Uh, yeah, uh, a big, big thank you to Shaq for taking that time. Just, uh, just, just a good guy. He's always out there for the fans and always out there for such professional podcasts and networks such as ours. Do we have to get pay- paid to be a professional podcast? <laughs> no, I, I kid, I kid. Um, I, I take a little bit of grievance. I was much a bigger fan of the Hardy Boys and Edge and Christian than I was of the Dudley Boys. Yeah, well, I mean, Just they don't so get the know. tables. No, but I, I, I was Boys very did. close to saying the Hardy Boys. In fact, the Hardy Boys were my first um, uh, option, my first thought uh, mm. for, for who to compare us to. But then, yeah, I just I just ended up thinking like, nah, like the Dudley Boys were just that little more manic, and crazy, and they yeah. they were just a little bit little bit bigger uh, and less athletic looking, which I think describes us a little bit better, if we're honest here. This is true. Testify, man. Testify. Yeah, but like you know, who, who knows if um if we like get a, a workout regimen on the go over the next little while, then perhaps we can. Uh, we can you know graduate to uh, the Hardy Boys territory. I can hardly do a box jump, mate, let alone a swanton bomb. So, um, <laughs> let's let's uh, moon salt from the uh, top rope. <laughs> let's, not, let's not do that. Yeah, I don't think we can really do that at uh, indoor football either. So we might need to uh, change our our chosen sports for for how we're going to be doing that. I was in New York, and this was actually a conversation that me and my friend Gary had. Was that when we were younger, we used to buy. Um, WWF figurines online and that's how I knew about online overseas currencies because it was always you know $16 for a figure a WWF figurine which was like £8 mm. and then we went over and the, the exchange rate is only like 1.2 now Yeah, and me and Gary both turned to look at each other and were like think of how many figurines we could have bought <laughs> <laughs> and so, so how many did you buy? <laughs> oh, I had a lot, man. I wish I'd kept them. They're the kind of things that your parents throw out and you kind of wish that you still had and could sell online. Oh, um, man, tell me about it. My mum threw out my Pokemon cards uh, at one oh. point, including a shiny Charizard. So, oh, man, they're worth like $500 now. Yeah, yeah, you hear that, mum? I hope you're listening. I, I probably bring this <laughs> up like once every every couple of years. Um, she'll probably say once every six months or something, really. But yeah, that was my investment opportunity, mother. That could have, uh, yeah, well, I could have paid for some more flights back home. God, I'm really guilty right now. <laughs> <laughs> my um, my mum threw out uh, diecast Thomas the Tank Engine toys. Oh um, man, un- untouched. We had all of them. She she, I think she gave them away, and my dad's pretty sure they were worth about 
£10,000. Oh, man. Thomas, James, Percy, Gordon. Had, had them all, the all in perfect condition, all wow. die-cast, had the tracks that came with them and everything. Because obviously having too, but, um, three like boys, them. we had them all the way through. I got them when I was like four, and then my brothers had them until they were like eight, nine. So, yeah, all the way through the decade, and they were in great condition. Yeah. Just... And, and Joe still plays they are them now. to this day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I felt bad for my quip about his hair, so I'm being nice to Joe for a couple of weeks, I've decided. Oh, that's very nice of you. Like, fair play. Joe, Joe's a good lad. Uh, so, yeah, you, you, stay, you stay nice to him. Good yes. boys. <laughs> anyway, so um, today we are going to take a swing at who we think at this way too early stage are going to be the division winners and losers this season. Uh, but before we do that, let's hit into some of the news stories from the week. So... One thing that we've been following very closely, as uh, I'm sure everyone has, has been uh, the Antonio Brown helmet grievance situation. So, um, Brown has logged a second grievance surrounding uh, not being allowed to play in his old helmet, which is now sitting with the same arbitrator who oversaw his first grievance, which he promptly denied. Uh, Brown, who had his first helmet grievance denied by the arbitrator on the 12th of August, uh, argued uh, in his second go-around that he should be provided with the same rights as other players in terms of having a one-year grace period to phase out using this helmet. So he's claiming that the NFL is arbitrarily applying its rules, but surely he was given the same grace period and that was last season, right? Yeah, I don't think... If you're not listening or paying attention to what the NFL is saying in the meetings, I don't think it, really think it's the NFL's fault. No. And uh, he has plenty previous in terms of not paying attention during meetings, so that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, it's just... It's ridiculous. He needs to just get on with it. And But, you know, I think we could say that about a lot of things he does. Um, yeah. I think I said in an earlier podcast, it was pretty cool how he was bringing people in um, to his life. He was doing the, the YouTube channel where he was teaching people about how he was like doing his sprints and going to his old high school and, and training in the gym and helping some of the kids do their like deadlifts and stuff. And mm-hmm. it looked like he was in a better situation just from that, you know, being back on the, being on the West coast, mm. um, having a fresh start, being the star of the team. He looked like he was ready to go and it's just the same again. It's a pity really. Um, we just want him to get on the field and, yeah. and be happy. And it, I, I, there's not much you can say. I just what's going through his mind is a mystery. Um, he's thirty-one. He's getting paid. If he plays, because remember, his con- he only got like a one million dollar signing bonus mm-hmm. in terms of compared to what other players have got. If he plays, he'll get up to what fifty odd million. If he doesn't play, he'll get like five. So he needs to. <laughs> I don't know what his problem is. It's like yes, the helmets can be a bit strange, but. You have to wear it to get used to it. Wearing the old one for another year isn't going to make any difference to this. No, well, of course, we only see and hear certain things, uh, often sensationalized stories, perhaps, uh, about you know how a player is acting and things like that. It does seem a bit strange. But um, like one other perspective that I've heard of is that he is the, the, the best at what he does and he focuses and trains so hard to be the best, so much better than everyone else, um, that these little things uh, can end up causing big changes to his 
particular feel, the way he, the way he acts and plays. So you know, per perhaps it's just a case of he's a perfectionist. He wants the best, and he's just always worked so well with his previous helmet. So that's why he's like fighting for it tooth and nail. So I guess I can understand from that perspective. But um, yeah, when it comes down to it, there's only so far you can argue with the league and the players' union. And also, on the other side of things, if he were to come out and get some sort of major head injury, some sort of concussion, do you reckon that he would then like go after the league, saying, you know, well, you, you let me play an unsafe helmet? <laughs> no, I don't think he would. <laughs> yeah, he better he's... not. <laughs> um, the... I, I wonder, though, this conspiracy, Darren, um, he makes so <laughs> many helmet catches... You know, he's got little pockets on the side. The yeah, there's there's something in the helmet, like a rubber magnet or a duke magnet, a, a rubber magnet. <laughs> something in there. He's, he's got stickum on the side of it. Him. Yeah, yeah. One of these days, like, he doesn't the want anyone gonna, to go near it. One of these days, the ball's just going to bounce off of his helmet, but it's actually just going to stick. <laughs> it's going to yeah. and he's going to run into the end zone and be like, "What? Wait! Oh, right here it is." <laughs> Put his hand up really quickly. Oh, I've got it. Yeah. I got, I got it, I got it. It was, it was just bouncing it the entire time. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope it ends soon. It's just silly. Yeah, um, we want to see pity, him back. I think the Raiders have a pretty good team compared to last year, and I just want them to be on the field and put their best foot forward. And he's definitely one of their best feet. So yeah, <laughs> well, in terms of best foot forward, uh, I do believe that his feet are both recovering now, uh, and he is expected to be able to play in week one. Should that be the case? But um, as I mentioned with uh, Papa Both in one of our previous episodes, yeah, we're we're looking forward to seeing him back on the field in maybe week two. Uh, that would be ideal because then Broncos wouldn't have to deal with him. Uh, so, no, he's, he's going to scorch you, mate. It's already in, It's already decided. Nah, man. Chris Harris Jr. is going to absolutely lock him down on one side. Cream Jackson's got him on the other side. Over the middle, Bryce Callahan's going to going to pick everything off. Don't don't worry about it. Don't you worry about it. Does um, Vic Fangio play? Does he play zone or will he play man to man against Brown? Well, I guess uh, sometimes you might just move it around, stick someone else on him. Um, I, I I reckon that. He'll. I don't know. I, I think for for a player like Brown, you can't really just let him go on to someone else because uh, he his route running is just is, is too good. But no, I have no I have no idea how you plan for someone like him. <laughs> yeah, I think there's going to be a very clear um, standing in the. Oakland Raiders wide receiver room that Brown is the number one target which is what he wants so mm -hmm. I don't think it will matter who's marking him it's not going to be a you know a Sherman kind of thing where whoever's being marked by Sherman doesn't get the ball I think Harris will be targeted if he's man to manning on Antonio Brown it's not going to matter who's playing against Brown Carr is going to throw him the ball yeah because um, they to. just don't have the weapons that Pittsburgh had in comparison. You know, mm. they don't have JJ and they don't have um, Washington and Switzer. You know, it's a very different wide receiver room. So mm -hmm. it's going to be a big first game for Harris if Brown is on the field. Yeah, absolutely. That will be a, a real test. But of course, Set the tone for the season. Yeah, well, you'll have that Broncos defense, uh, the especially the pass rush, bearing down on Derek Carr all the time. So like, don't put it all on Brown. A lot's got to go through Derek. Um, 
So I'm like definitely looking forward to seeing more of that in Hard Knocks. I need to get caught up on this week's episode, which should be available to me shortly. Um, moving on, uh, New England Patriots safety Patrick Chung has been indicted uh, by a grand jury on charges of cocaine possession. Uh, the attorney's office confirmed to NFL.com on Thursday. So the incident occurred on the 25th of June in Meredith, New Hampshire, where Chung resides. So police were alerted to his home when a burglar alarm went off, or so it seems. And upon arrival, they found some evidence of the nose candy. So at this moment in time, we're uncertain for his status in week one. But surely we foresee a bit of a suspension coming, right? Especially, it's going to be especially difficult for uh, a team like that with Patrick Chung being one of their most important defensive players. Yeah, Goodell's probably rubbing his hands with glee. It's to go after the Patriots again. (laughs) Um, I obviously... American law, you know, the grand jury thing is just saying that the prosecution has enough evidence to go to the next stage. Um, They can strike a plea or change the case or drop it completely. Mm -hmm. This isn't anything solid. It's just going to the grand jury sitting on the day and saying, hey, this is what we found. Do we have enough to move forward? And the judge and the jury will go, yeah or no. So mm-hmm. obviously they've got enough to move forward, which isn't great for Patrick. Um, but we'll see what happens in the meantime. But yeah, I could definitely see at least a four-game ban for drugs, just at least on the minimum from the NFL, yeah. bringing it into disrepute. Because um, there's no, if he hasn't failed a drug test, there's no like obvious thing that he's actually taken it. So it's going to be... It's always a battle with this stuff in the NFL, but I can see them just dropping the, you know, the four-game ban on him yeah. straight away and saying that's... Just, just, just get it done. Yeah, and if you get six months in prison, you get six months in prison, mate, you know. But you're not playing four games this season. No. Um, so we'll we'll see, but, you know, the, the NFL's... They've got to look at it. The Pats have got to look at it. Um, I watched the Stephen A. Smith about him saying that the Pats have got a tarnished record with some of this stuff and they need to be strict and hard on Chung if it's found that he he was, you know, keeping it for his mates or taking it himself or whatever he was doing. Um, they're going to have to do something because apparently it looks like they've been a bit lenient in the past with some of their players, but similar to the Cowboys, I guess. Mm. Um, and in the end, we don't know enough, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was a suspension. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's uh, it's pretty much a given if a player is found to have uh, been involved in something like that. It, it's just, if, if it's marijuana, it happens at the moment. So something like cocaine, a full-on Class A, like you'd, you'd expect some sort of action to be taken. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, moving on to the next thing. We have a bit of an injury roundup to go through because there's been a couple of key injuries in the league over the last couple of days. Uh, just to see if we can go through them relatively quickly. Keep it, keep it nice and tight. So... Uh, Redskins tight end Jordan Reed has suffered another head injury and is in concussion protocol yet again. So this will be at least his fourth concussion since entering the league. And some say he may be hovering around double-digit concussions for his entire football playing life. So I don't think I'm sensationalizing things here, but I'm more voicing genuine concern. But should this just about be the end of the line for JR? You know, for the sake of his health, that is. Yeah, well, they stopped... um the other lad coming back, Walker. Or Welker. Yeah, Wes, Wes Welker, um, yeah. Because his, his had so, just uh, taken too big a toll on his body. 
I wouldn't be surprised um, if if this is it, but I think they'll give him one more go. Um, you know, not all concussions are created equal, mm-hmm. so we will see. But um, it's a shame for him; he hasn't played many games. And I know we were talking about him in our when we were reviewing the teams, saying that he could be the difference maker for a rookie quarterback like Haskins and being available on yeah. the slot. But yeah, he, like when when he is available, he's a good dynamic. Uh, pair of hands like a good good speedy guy big body target which would be perfect for someone like Dwayne Haskins yeah. to would have been to... great it'll be great for um Patriots in about six in about four months when they <laughs> somehow somehow get him out of the through the protocol and back on the field after he's been waived by the Redskins yeah. I reckon he's he's faked every single concussion he's ever had in order to eventually get released and then get a cut deal with the Patriots and win a Super Bowl that's what it is yeah Okay. It's not like you're hurt at all by the pitch. <laughs> no, don't know what you're talking about. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks questionable wider core took a, a couple of big hits this week. Uh, second round rookie DK Metcalf is undergoing minor knee surgery. And last year's surprise package, David Moore, picked up a shoulder injury in practice. So NFL Network's Tom Pelissero, per source, reported that Moore is getting a second opinion on the injury, which is not expected to require surgery. But um, yeah, things are looking like they're going from bad to worse at the worst time for the Seahawks. And this is just, you know, for, for a team who always seems to struggle early in the year, it looks like they're heading that way again. Because Tyler Lockett's about your own only healthy receiver now. Yeah, well, the Metcalf injury hurts my soul. I really thought, really hope he can get through it and be as explosive as I think he's going to be. I have mm. a feeling he's going to be very good. But they're going to run the ball 80% of the time anyway. So we'll, we'll see. It's going to be all on Chris Carson to to get the get the points and the yards for that team. And they they don't think they're massively bored about throwing the ball anyway. So I don't <laughs> know how much of a difference this is going to make. Um, but... They haven't really said what DK Metcalf's knee injury is. If it's just like a, a meniscus cleanup, then it can be a week. Um, you know, Russell Westbrook in the NBA gets them like every two months. Mm. But um, if it's something that's actually ligament related, um, then then obviously that'll be a bit longer. But it does sound like they're hoping he'll be back um, for the first in the first couple of weeks of the season. So. We'll see, but this is the challenge. I think you know you get DK Metcalf on the on the field, start actually teaching him some routes, and his knee feels sore. Yeah, it's not not a good look when that was what a lot of scouts were saying was he's far too big and he's it's going to be tough for him um, if he has any knocks to to recover. But you know he's more likely yeah. than some to recover from these injuries. So. As long as he can keep that speed over the top. Mm-hmm. When you're when you're that sort of size and you're trying to make cuts and turns, it does put a lot of strain uh, on those knees. So, yeah, we'll, we'll hopefully, well, that's definitely something that we'll be monitoring closely, uh, especially if anyone's planning on drafting Russell Wilson this season. Um, yeah, keep an eye on that one. Uh, speaking yeah, I, of, what would you go? I do wonder though, quickly, um, if he was going to go. Seven for eight overall, and he ends up going at the end of the second round. Then maybe they knew this was coming. Yeah. Um. Maybe he said that his knee needed a clean up, and maybe he can get through the first season without doing it. 
Um, and that's maybe why he's well. We don't know. Um, but I think he'll be fine as long as he does his rehab. And it's, he seems, from the look of him, he looks like he does like to do his rehab and go to the gym. So I think he yeah, should be fine. I think I think he's lifted one or two weights in his time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he just woke up one day like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm expecting uh, to wake up like that after one day in the gym. And uh, obviously it's then I'll not. be dealing with knee injuries, but that's fine. I don't mind if I look like that. Do you have knee injuries anyway, mate? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to bring you in uh, on, on the knee injuries uh, for, well, sorry, for any sort of lower leg injuries uh, on the next one. So, so yeah, times change, and the next section is probably a little bit inaccurate because um, we talk about Andrew Luck and what we think about his injury status going forward. And then just a few days later, during the course of editing for this, he retired. So go listen to our other emergency by Andrew Luck podcast retirement thing. Oh, it's sad. It's so sad. The longest running injury saga of the offseason has been the status of the Colts quarterback, Andrew Luck. So he was previously dealing with, quote, a lower leg injury, quote. But uh, Colts GM Chris Ballard has said that doctors have taken another look and determined that the lingering pain came from the front, not the back between the calf and the ankle. So, as our resident leg injury expert, Darren, how do you look at this at the moment? It's probably very similar to what I did. He's mm. um, probably pulled his medial ankle ligament on his on the inside of his foot. So it's pulling up through his calf and through his shin. Mm. And hurting when he presses down to run. Um, as I have found, because I went to the physio when I did this, thinking it was going to be, okay, cool, here's some painkillers, get back on the treadmill, you'll you'll be fine. And then hearing it was going to be six weeks. Um, yeah, uh, it takes a while. And it's, it's tough if you have an injury like that and you're trying to do squats or press the way that you throw the ball, then you're going to feel pain. You're going to feel that your foot wants to cave in pretty much straight away and mm. that ligament's going to stretch and create pain straight off the bat so it's not a good injury to have but it's better than a shoulder injury yeah <laughs> um they can put him in a in a cast or keep him off his feet for two weeks and it will probably recover you know it's it's a bit different for an nfl quarterback who's getting paid you know 75 million guaranteed to fix this than someone who has to go to work in an office and walk to the train station and all these things. So I I think he'll be fine. I just think they're being very cautious. And after 35 touchdowns to, what, eight interceptions or something, you can see why they're being cautious. This is their future. He's still got another probably eight years, at least as the quarterback. So mm-hmm. they're right to be cautious, especially if they're not too worried about the first couple of games of the season, then they can get reset some reps and think they can be competitive regardless mm-hmm. well um, Jacoby Brissett didn't play in uh, the last preseason tilt and uh, there's talk about maybe he might have uh, a niggle on the go as well so if either of them weren't available then you might well then see... they're screwed Stuart <laughs> well are they because they have uh, the former former Broncos player Chad Kelly back up there uh, so after his rather unceremonious release from the Broncos after a bit of a dispute after a little bit of uh, breaking and entering, um, maybe he'll get another shot. Otherwise, you've got Philip Walker from Temple there as well. 
you know, there's a couple of options, but um, yeah, I think the, the the main story here in terms of fantasy stuff is just you know Andrew Luck might drop a little bit in some fantasy leagues at the start of the season, so be prepared. Yes. Okay. Right. So moving on from that, and uh, just before we get on to talking about the winners and losers for each division for the next year. Uh, has there been any preseason stuff that's caught your eye, Darren? Um, well, the one thing we mentioned in the injuries is that Derwin James could be out for four months. Yeah. And I'm gutted about that. I know you're in, you're in the same division as a fan. so Yeah. It, <laughs> it makes it's... it a bit easier to play a Chargers, but I'm gutted he's one of the best players in the league, even yeah. as a sophomore. Um I'm, I'm disappointed about that. I think it will really affect the way the Chargers line up because he can play in nearly every position in the secondary. And mm. he's not going to be there for the first like four games at least. Um, yeah. From a totally neutral perspective, I, I absolutely understand that he's a, he's a, a great player and uh, he, he's going to be a, a miss from not just the team but the league um, for however long he's going to be out. But they've also got a player who looked like the best safety in the draft and this year Adderley just waiting to, to slide on in there and take over. So, I mean, I, I don't think Adderley is going to be quite the same player as Derwin James, but in terms of a drop-off, I think you could have worse. Yeah, you definitely could. Mm-hmm. Jabril Peppers. Yeah. <laughs> Your boy. Or anything the Giants have. Yeah. Um, That's right. So... Okay, so in terms of preseason, um, Josh Allen from Kentucky for the Jags is an absolute beast. Surefire Hall of Famer. <laughs> He's going to be <laughs> absolutely brilliant. He made a couple of tackles for a loss in the game against Miami, and, and you're calling him a Hall of He's the only player on the field. Everyone else is crap. I'm, I'm, I'm all in on John. I was all in on him in the draft. And I can't believe you went at like seven to the Jags. And that's the kind of thing when it's like, yeah, we have like seven pass rushers, but we're still going to take this guy because he's so good. Oh, it, it opens it up for the Jags. I knew their defense was good, but it's going to be scary if he's playing like that beside Calais Campbell and yeah, yep. and Boye. And, oh. Definitely one to watch out for. Um, and like, yeah, that, it, it is... Considering that the the Jaguars have uh, the third hardest schedule combined um, this season, it's uh, like it's th- that defense is going to need to be good. They're, they can't afford to be sorry. They can't afford to be good. They have to be great in order to deal with what they're going to be facing this season. Uh, and someone like Josh Allen there as a weapon would be absolutely fantastic for them. Um, in terms of pass rush weapons. You need to watch the Chase Winovich tape if you've not already, because he, it, like throughout the course of this preseason, has been absolutely outstanding. And in the game against Tennessee, he just absolutely demolished every single person that he went up against. It was there were sacks, there was tackled for a loss, there was um, like forced passes. He was absolutely everywhere, man possessed. And um, yeah, I can see him. Unfortunately, making a, a really, really big impact for the Patriots this season. I'd say potential front runner for Defensive Player of the Year already. Oh well, that he was that good. <laughs> more of a leap than what I said. Um, yep, I'll tell you what, we'll see. We'll see. Um, if I'm going to say this, if Dante Hightower's never won Defensive Player of the Year, then Chase Winovich isn't winning Defensive Player of the Year. 
Um, but yes. This is sorry, sorry, defensive rookie of the year. Must must want to yeah. put that out um, there. Not just defensive player, sorry. Oh okay, boy, but... yeah. Don't want to back myself into a corner there. <laughs> Pizza bet. Um, yeah. <laughs> so pretty much your preseason takeaways is that the Patriots are probably going to be quite good. Well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> uh, I mean, in terms of their defense, um, you know, not not too much has changed. Well, they've lost Trey Flowers, but if you've got someone like Chase Winovich coming back in to um, just give you even more pressure there, then you know it, it could still work out well. And in that division, it just seems it's always too easy for them. Um, they, they do have, in terms of strength of schedule, as I mentioned previously, they have the second easiest, as they always do. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's not as if they have too much to go up against, to be honest. Sorry, Bills, Jets, and Dolphins fans. I'm, I'm rooting for you. I really am. Yeah. Well, in terms of the Dolphins, um, what's your thoughts on Josh Rosen over Fitzpatrick? Well, Rosen had a pretty incredible 99-yard drive uh, in the in the game against Jacksonville, and like I think at the moment you just got to give it to him. There's 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 no real reason to keep Fitzpatrick in. It's like it's all well and good having him there as an option, you, but like just just give Rosen the reins, let him go for it. Um, if if he, if he needs to fail, he needs to fail. But he's shown me enough upside from especially from some of the the passes and his ability to escape the pressure that I saw in that last game and then deliver down the field it's um yeah it looks looks worth it to me yeah well it's also just you know simply if you can bring back um Matt Moore or someone as a backup then you got Josh Rosen on 2 million this year mm-hmm. you can weigh Fitzpatrick and gain back about 7 million of cap space this year mm and you can sign another playmaker. It, a lot of this has to do with how much do they actually want to win. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, Fitzpatrick looked really poor. And yes, Josh Allen and Calais Campbell were destroying destroying the Miami offensive line. Mm. But he did nothing. And one of his big things playing for the Bucks last year was that they had Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson over the top. Yeah. They don't have that in the Dolphins. You know, Kenny Stills is in a half, um, which might be, you know, we haven't spoke about that, but that might be, he has his reasons to be in a half, and I'm not going to say that, that he's wrong in that. And yeah. Albert Wilson's more of a slot receiver, and they've got a couple of rookies. So yeah, watch out for Preston think... Williams, though, because he looks like he could be the real deal as a Dolphins wide receiver. Yeah, I just don't know if that's enough for Fitzpatrick, though. But mm. with Rosen's ability to move, and he's always been quite a clever quarterback, because um, you know the best team at UCLA, and he had to go through um, the Chip, Chip Kelly, and then change to another coach, and he was still pretty good. I just think Josh Josh Rosen has an opportunity here to really cement himself, and if he can, and he has a good year, then it relieves so much for the Dolphins. They can go for best player available, than needing to reach for a you know, a Lawrence or a Tua. Mm. Um, if Rosen is a first-round quarterback, which he hasn't had an opportunity to show he's not. Yeah. I was discussing this with friend of the show, Neil Shepard, uh, just last night after I got home from a gig, so I was a little bit buzzing. Um, but, yeah, he's he's in the, the same belief that Rosen should start 
he should just be given the opportunity. If he if he doesn't succeed, then and we and they end up sucking and getting the top like one of the top picks, then they probably should go for a quarterback. But in terms of what needs to happen, like if he shows enough, then you just need to invest in the offensive line. And Neil made the point of look back at all of these uh, successful teams over the last few decades. And what's the one thing they have in common? And it's a strong offensive line. If you look at um, the New England Patriots, Philadelphia Eagles, Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, they, they all historically had excellent offensive lines. And that is something that is really difficult to build in the NFL this season. Sorry, yeah, well, at this day and age. So yeah, that's, if, if, if they can get the opportunities to do so, they've got to focus on doing it. Well, say hypothetically, if the um, Dolphins have like the third overall pick, and there's a really good offensive lineman, like a Jonah Williams or an Andre Dillard, then look where they went last year, number 10 overall and number 17 overall. They can trade back from three to like 10 and pick up two more second rounders and just try and do what the what some of the other teams have done, which is pick up your the number one offensive lineman in the first round and then pick up a couple more in the second round and mm. just see what sticks. Or you can do what the Texans did and not draft an not offensive lineman when they really, really needed one uh, and then just wait till later on and pick up someone that people were like, eh, about. But, you know, what, what do we know? I'm sure the Texans have got this, right? Uh... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, we'll have to move on because uh, we do need to get through a lot today. Uh, I'm just going to rattle off a couple of things. I thought that the Denver Broncos starting defense really showed what they're all about. Uh, like, watch out for them to make a big impact in the league this year, especially with the likes of Bradley Chubb. Uh, he's looking pretty dang serious. Uh, Daniel Jones actually really looks the part in New York at the moment. Um, of course, just being the preseason, but for the most part, he looks like he is really going to be pushing the Giants to make a big decision at some point this season. Yeah. Well, if you're going to be a stan, I'm just going to say how impressed I was with Baker's opening drive last week. He, Do it. Um, he would. It was terrifying how good they were, and they didn't have Landry or OBJ on the field. So, I am all in. I'm all in, Stuart. It's going to be fun. <laughs> we're all. all I don't in know if the they'll rounds, win all those games, which I think we're going to get to. But but they're going to make them exciting. Yes, definitely. Right. Well, that will be a pretty good segue because, um, obviously, we've not even finished preseason yet, but we're going to get into predictions for who we believe are going to be the winners and losers in their respective divisions this season. And uh, the plan is to start with the AFC North. So um, I've got my winners and losers noted down. Darren, do you have uh, yours at the ready? Yeah. Okay. So since it's your team, would you like to lead us off? Sorry, so this is your team's division. I'm not not in, in any way insinuating that the Browns are locked in to win this division or anything. So, please go ahead. Um, no, I think the Ravens are going to win the division. You think the Ravens are going to win it? Okay, cool, cool. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll tell, yeah. Okay, explain, explain. Because they have a very good defense, and if they can get their running game going, then they'll just wind out the clock on so many teams. Um, I think they've built a very good squad. Uh, I've, we've got some very good tight ends. If Marquise Brown is good, then he'll be an over-the-top threat. But mostly it's the defence, it's the Ravens' mentality, and I just don't think 
in terms of being there before and acting like you've been there before, I think with the Bengals being weak and the, playing against the um the Patriot division, so getting going against the Dolphins and the Bills and and um the Jets that I think that they'll pick up a few wins to start with. I've already been on the record saying I think that the Browns will find it tough in the first few games. Mm-hmm. And um I think they'll kind of run away with it. I kind of expect the Ravens to get at least ten wins and for the the um Browns and the Steelers to be really battling all season. Um and it might not be pretty, like the Browns might have thirty thirty overall points a game, but I think that there'll be those couple of games where like maybe even the Jets in week two where it's like a fifteen twelve and it's just not working and it's the first game in prime time and I think there's a lot of pressure on the Browns, and I think they'll make the playoffs. But mm-hmm. usually, it's a three-year process, and I just don't know if they're there in terms of winning the division yet, especially in such a competitive division. And the fact that the one of the Browns games against the Patriots on prime time, so which is the same for the Ravens. But it's like I said, you know, act like you've been <clears> there before, and the, the Browns haven't been there in a long time. Actually, this this franchise that I have decided to love and do love. I've never been there um, since <laughs> they started. So um, can't, no time can't like say the they're going to win it. Can't say that they're going to win it when they've never won it and it's a new team and you've got teams like the Steelers and the Ravens there. But I can't see the Steelers beating out the Browns over 17 games, but I can see the Ravens doing it. Mm, it is a big 17 ask. weeks even. Okay. And uh, down is your loser? The Bengals, right? <laughs> yeah, I think that's probably about as nailed on uh, in terms of what we could see happening. I mean, I, they, they do have this potential still to go somewhere, but they just don't look great at all. They've just... Their offensive line is absolutely disgusting. Mm. But there's all these little things like, you know, about Tyler Eifert, if you take over his games, cause similar to the Josh Gordon thing, you know, if you take over his games over the last four years, he's the second best right, uh, tight end in the league. Mm. And they've got Tyler Boyd. Um, they've got the opportunity to give John Ross more of a McFay system and give him a bit more, you know, options. Utilize him but, better, perhaps, yeah. Yeah, and then there's AJ Green, and Dalton can be Dalton if he's on the field. If Dalton's injured, they're going to go 0 and 16. That's the. Absolutely awful. But, I think so. Well, Brian um, Finley looks all right, actually. I like Finley. Boys, boys I like, like two incompletions in the, the entire off season against the fourths. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but with with his own fourths, uh, like singer there as well. So it's been all right. <laughs> yeah, I like Ryan Finley. Ryan, Ryan Finley was um, a couple of the ESPN guys for quarterback in the draft, and he went in like the fifth round or something. So yeah, um, he could be a steal, but. You're not going to put your hopes on him in that division. And I can see they're saying that they're going to try Jeff Driscoll at wide receiver. Okay. Interesting. That's, that's intriguing. Mm. But um, if uh, Dalton gets injured in the first couple of games, then no, he'll be. Don't expect that Dris- to happen. Driscoll, Driscoll will be in. Yeah. And they'll be terrible. Yeah, probably. So, um, still trying to keep this pretty pretty swift and smooth. So, I actually do have the Browns as the winner of this division. Um, yeah, so they, they're like they are going to have it really tough, especially early on. But uh, this, like, they seem like a team who have developed this mentality and this strength of character, which will be needed to pull it through down the stretch 
when they have uh, a bit of an easier go of it. Um, in terms of the Steelers, they have lost some players, but I think the most important thing is the personnel that they've lost too. So their offensive lineman coach, uh, Mike Munchak, probably the best offensive line coach in the league, uh, making his way to Denver. And uh, there was the sad passing of wide receivers coach Daryl Drake uh, just a few weeks ago as well. So that's that's two of the areas that the Steelers are very like well known for. Um, so it, it just depends on whether the people who are still there are able to just carry on the success that they've had in the past. Um, like, do do you think that the Steelers now that they're they've got rid of Antonio Brown and Juju's stepping up and Le'Veon Bell's out the building? So there's less distractions. Do you think that this could be the start of something something good, or is it going to get messy? I think it'll get messy. Mm. Um, I I am not as high on the Juju Smith-Schuster train or elevator or whatever yeah. metaphor you want to use. Or rocket that some people have got as, strapped to. As some people are. Mm-hmm. I think Washington's good. Spitz, I really like Switzer when he's like trying to do his best as well. The Swiss Army he's knife. Good, he's quite a good player. Um, but I just can't see it. I just can't see Big Ben leading them anywhere without Brown. And mm. They're in the situation that if, say, the Raiders win that first game against the Broncos and the Steelers lose their first game, then everything's going to be about Antonio Brown and there's so many <laughs> questions. And if, if Washington or... Smith Schuster get injured, then there's gonna be a lot of questions, and I just I think they're on the on the way out um, in terms of this current iteration of the team. But I guess it's the the Steelers' way is that they've never really had iterations in terms of down periods. It's always been they've only had like four coaches since the seventies, and mm. they've always been competitive. But with they're in a this is one thing I I was looking at I was listening to another podcast and they were talking about how. The Browns have only been in this division since like what nine ninety nine or something, and yeah, it's a new division. It did it didn't exist, and the Steelers are kind of like the Patriots in that way that they've had two, three really. The Bengals, the Ravens, and the Browns are like new teams compared to you know the historical of the you know the history of the NFL. These are all more re- recent franchises. Yeah, considering that the Steelers have been around since like you know near the start. Um, the Steelers' so last losing had... season was in two thousand and three as well, so it's it's, it's um, been a while since they were bad. So like the Ravens or the Browns, and what the Bengals were they another were they a new team as well? Oh like no, it's... Bengals have been around since uh, way way back, like seventies yeah, I think it's... it was. Even 60s. It just doesn't. It just doesn't feel like they've really had a tough go of it at all. And I think with the Ravens trying to do what they're doing and the Browns, you know, finally kind of stirring, they they can have a couple of years. I don't think they'll have a losing season. That's what I mean. I think the Steelers and the Browns are going to be competing for that last spot mm. um, for, a, for a wild card, a home wild card game. But, yeah, I, I don't know. The Steelers... They could be really good, but I, I just don't see it this year. I don't know if they fixed. Devin Bush isn't, you know, a, the last plus of the NFL. <laughs> you can't he's just not slap gonna, him on it and then expect everything to work. Yeah, yeah. he's not gonna 
look over the fact that they got rid of people like Mitchell really badly and they've had a their system doesn't fit their cornerbacks and all the things that were happening last year that everyone was pointing out, they haven't really addressed that other than replacing Shazier mm. with um, Devin Bush. Which is a good pickup. Devin Bush is one one of my favourite players in the draft and it was yeah. great in college, but yeah, I just I don't see it um I don't see them winning the division. I don't see them being a competitive playoff team this year. But mm. I think they'll with as I said, it's coming down a lot to the the schedule and the fact that the Steelers have to play the Bengals twice and they have to play the AFC East. They'll get wins. Yeah. Um and they'll probably get enough <laughs> wins to have a neutral record or an eight and eight or a nine and seven, but it's not going to be as impressive as it could have been if they still had Brown and Bell mm. and Shea Zero hadn't got injured. And There's lots of things that have happened. It could be a transitional period in Pittsburgh, I think, basically, is the, the put, put a button on it sort of uh, sort of tagline for this. Um, yeah, in, but yeah. their transitional periods are always kind of winning records. So yeah. I don't see that really changing, but I just don't see them being a competitive team in the AFC in terms of winning it. And getting to the Super Bowl. Only time will tell. Um, and in terms of the the Ravens, I've already voiced that I'm not nearly as high on them as so many other people are. Uh, I, I don't rate Lamar Jackson as a passer, and I think that people are going to figure out how to stop a team which is primarily run first, uh, run second, and run third, and then maybe throw the ball every once in a while. Um, I, I just I just think that eventually like it doesn't matter how many packages you're going to throw out at people if if you're going to be running you can stop it i think um but yeah only only time will tell on that and um i think uh that's about time for us to move on with that one there so yep. uh next up we have the afc south and i'll start with this one here so i've got a bit of a caveat with this one and that is that I've got the Colts down here as our our division winners. But that is entirely dependent on the health of Andrew Luck's leg. So I definitely I trust their offensive line far more than I trust the Texans. Uh, they they were spectacular in stretches last season. Uh, they've only improved at their wideout position. Uh, their defense has improved too. Uh, it just I, I just see them trending in the right direction. But if you don't have Andrew Luck there as your guy who holds everything together and dictates the way that that entire team runs, then it could all fall apart. And if it does fall apart, then a team like the Texans could uh, could be the ones to slip into that just purely based on their uh, explosive potential on offense and their stars on defense. But then, of course, you do have the Jags that are ready to rebound, uh, especially on defense, and I reckon that the offense could do enough, which then leads me to believe that the Titans, with their QB situation being rather iffy, and they're looking relatively thin at wide receiver as well. Like the defense might still save them, but I see them as being our division losers in this one. Yeah, I I love this division. This division is a knife fight. It's a knife fight in the monkey it's like knife the, fight. It's crazy. It's, it's all, all sorts of weird stuff going on. It's that opening scene from Casino Royale where James Bond <laughs> doesn't really know what he's doing and he's fighting in the toilet and they're just like punching each other in the nose and 
kicking her in the shins, and it's not really very classy. That's why I see this division being like, who, whoever's going to hit whoever into the sink and drown them is going to obviously win the division. But I, I'm i on the Jags. I think the Jags will win the division. And it, it relies on one thing. I think they need to take D.D. Westbrook and they need to put him in front of the media and give him some eagle pills and get him, <laughs> get him up there and treat him like a wide receiver one and tell him he's the best player to ever play the game and rub his shoulders. Cause oh, he thinks he Fol- is. He's saying Fols he's going to get over can... 200 yards a game every every game. <laughs> well, if Foles can find Westbrook, then it's it's over. Like they, they have such a good defense. Like They were really bad last year, and they lost. They won a game 6-0 against the Colts. Like, yeah. How do you do that <laughs> I don't if know. your defense isn't absolutely amazing? So is, is, um, is your opinion on Foles changed enough? Um, I just is, think is my, my opinion of Bortles was so low mm-hmm. that it's improved, if that makes sense. K- kind of. But like I know that you were particularly Foles low is better on Foles, than Bortles. Like er- earlier on in the off season, but I think he's he's maybe like now that we've seen him in the offense a little bit and we see what's going on with his defense and, and maybe gives you an idea about how they might run the offense. Like I've got more faith in Foles than uh, than I did a little bit earlier. Well, he's I like the thing of him going back to the number seven and moving away from Philadelphia, not really answering any questions about it and how they picked up obviously Josh Allen, they picked up Jawan Taylor, pick up Quincy Williams in the compensation draft. Like they have drafted really well. They have just really good players on defense and they have enough weapons on offense to really challenge a division which is so tight. Um, I think if you're to go on just straight up talent, then it's the Texans. But they're not going to win seven games in a row again. And mm. I just... You reckon it's going to be a little can... regression to the mean with the Texans? Yeah, yeah. And I think if you can get Terrell Pryor fit and you've got Marquise Lee and Conley and then you've got O'Shaughnessy... The Jags have enough weapons, including, you know, Raquel Armstead, who was really good in college, and Leonard Fournette, who can drive the ball in from three yards out if you get there. Now, I know you dropped him in your fantasy because he wasn't getting there, but I think that was more on the team. If you if the team can get within five yards of the end zone... I just, I, just had him, I just had him too high uh, to, to justify in having draft, him at my, yeah. in my second slot. Um, like I might, might want to pick him up a little bit further back or something like that, but yeah, I didn't. But if, didn't if the him. team can get within the last, you know, five six yards of the end zone, then mm-hmm. he'll punch it in. Oh, and yeah. they, they have a good well, team. It's got to be within maybe about two and a half yards uh, going by his uh, per carry average in the last few seasons. But yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. But it's there. It's there for the Jags, and they were almost there last um, couple of years ago. They just got out. Outpowered, um, by the Steelers, um, and I think this luck thing is huge. If luck misses any more than two games, then the Colts are out for me. Mm-hmm. I just can't see it, um, especially with the Texans and and the Jags being so strong, and then even the Titans. Like, I want Mario to have a good year. I'm still pretty much projecting Mario to be the starting quarterback for the Patriots in two years' time. <laughs> I think that's the way this will go. Is that he'll 
become the backup and then he'll get waived and suddenly he'll be the, the backup to Brady and he'll be the next Garoppolo. And... But man, like, um, Jarrett Stidham has already been anointed. Have you not been paying attention? This is it. He's he's happening. Oh. He's, he's, he's well, we never like... mentioned that in our preseason. Stidham was amazing. I love Stidham. He was, um, he was there on my, my short list, but we had to, to rattle through a couple of things and I'd already spoken about Chase Winovich and I didn't want to go and speak about another <laughs> Patriot because I would start crying. But they are the Super Bowl champions, so we have to give them their time. Absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, I'm bored of them. Um, but yeah, like Stidham's already being measured for uh, like on all of his fingers for all of his Super Bowl rings that he's going to be getting. So yeah, we'll, we'll see how that pans out for them down the line. Um, but in terms of so like if if the Colts are without Andrew Luck for let's say the first a month, yeah, the first four weeks or something like that of the season. It's over. I, it's like the Lions being without Stafford. There's no point even turning up. Mm. I think it's over. It's over. They might win. They might go two and two, or they might go like one and three. But in this division, which is so close, as soon as you lose a division game, I think you're going to be so far back. Um, especially you know, the Chargers and the Titans first. So, we'll say if they don't have luck, they'll lose to the Chargers. If they may win against the Titans, but they'll lose to the Falcons, and they'll probably lose to the Raiders without luck. So you're saying that they're going to probably be about one and three or zero and four without luck if mm. he misses the first month. And there's no coming back in such a close division. Like the winner of this division could go seven and nine and make the playoffs. Yeah, that's could, could where what this division is at compared to the other some of the other divisions in this. In the AFC, yeah, especially con- considering the uh, combined, and... yeah, considering the combined strength of schedule from the previous season that they're facing, they're they're in one of the toughest uh, divisions because, uh, yeah, of course they have to face each other um, as as well as some of the other more difficult uh, teams. So they, they've got to face the AFC West. So that includes, like you say, the Chargers and the Chiefs. So yeah, tough tough going. Um. So yeah, so you had the the Jaguars winning this division. Who did you have as your loser? I think the Colts are the losers just by circumstance, unfortunately. I so what, what if Luck is still there? What if, he, if Luck's if he's still there, then the, the Titans are the loser just by being the worst team in the division. Yeah. Um, which tells you a lot about the division because the Titans have made the playoffs so yeah. often recently. And then I, I've got Henry and Mariota and they've got, they've got weapons. But yeah, I... I think it's it's pretty much down to the health of Luck. If Luck's healthy, then they probably at least get to seven, nine and seven or eight and eight, and that'll probably be enough to win the division. But I think if there's any issue with Luck, then the Jags will will get it. Mm-hmm. But to be fair, the Jags and the Colts don't play to quite late. Um, they play on the 18th of November, and then they play the last game of the season. That's yeah. going to be such a good game. That That is going oh. to be potentially very important for both teams' seasons at yeah. that stage Two of the year. Two teams at seven and eight. Yeah. Know, both teams at seven and eight trying to win the division. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, moving on from the FC South, and we'll head over to the AFC East. And shock horror, I've got the Patriots down to win this division. You know, just because... It just it just happens. It doesn't it doesn't matter if, if there's there's always every single year there's always talk about upheaval and oh but like they've lost this player and like what's going to happen with this or the wide receiving core looks terrible like just wait until I think the wide receiving season. core looks really good. 
Sorry? Year. Mm, well, I think well, the wide receiving core looks good. They've got Myers, Edelman, Gordon. I think they'll. I think they're going to be fine. Well, the, the wide receiving core has obviously, like, the dynamic has changed since, uh, like, Josh Gordon got reinstated. Conditionally, that is. Uh, the emergence of Jacoby Myers, who was an undrafted free agent this year, uh, is looking like uh, like it's really going to change it again. Uh, they've also they picked up, like, Chase Winovich on defense. It's just... Jarrett Stidham's there now as well. It just it, it piles on and on. And if your teams the, like Jared Sims going to be a great slot receiver in a couple of years. <laughs> if, you, if you're a fan of the the Jets, Bills, and Dolphins, just every year you you maybe get this inkling that you might be, you might have something that's going to work out, and then very quickly you discover no, that's not the case. Either that, or uh, the Patriots will give you that little false sense of security, like they did last season. Um, not starting particularly well and there's all the detractors saying oh that's it, they're finished, this is it, this is Brady's last season and then they come out and they win the damn Super Bowl you know, it just it, it, it's, it happens too often it's probably going to happen again So yeah, I think it, it totally, to me it, it totally depends on how you consider the winner, Like obviously we're considering it as in the amount of games won when the division make the playoffs obviously that's going to be the Patriots I don't think there's any way around that, even if Stidham starts every game and Edelman's out for the whole season, they're probably still winning this division. <laughs> um, but if you say like winners, like I think from what I watched yesterday with Rosen and some of the kids coming through, like Miles Gaskin and that, the Dolphins are in a winning position because it just doesn't matter. Like you know, to them at the moment, if they they can go out and play shotgun and spread the field and really try and do some stuff against all the teams in the division and just have a good time and see what they can do. And I think everyone in the AFC East is kind of in that winning position now where, you know, the Patriots are on their way out. Or oh, maybe not. Brady's <laughs> maybe on good. his way out. <laughs> no. Brady's selling his house and he's on a one-year deal. And I think everyone's kind of looking at going, well, if we can just get into the position to have a good squad, like the the Bills have some good wide receivers. Oh, I'd say they've picked up the best wide receivers who are going to go to Buffalo. Um, <laughs> the Jets have a very good squad. And the Dolphins have a chance to get some get some kids and get some unrestricted free agents and get some get some talent and, and just build. Build for the next couple of years. And well, think... as, as we've discussed previously on, on the podcast, like the Dolphins have perennially overachieved to, well, to, 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 to middling records, yeah. When we know that they're terrible and they're not going to go anywhere, so this is their opportunity to to suck and get themselves low enough that they can pick up that dynamic player early, like at the top end of the the first round. It's, there's little things with the Dolphins that I just I don't understand. Like, um, if the Jags could get Jawan Taylor at the start of the second round, then where are the Dolphins? You know, you got Andre Dillard and Jawan Taylor not going late in the in the first round of the draft. And you look at that, that offensive line and it's just, it's Swiss cheese. It's, it's really bad. And it's like, there was so much opportunity to like, at least make that better. So you could actually tell what you've got in your quarterbacks. Um, mm. And I think if the Dolphins wanted to go with Rosen, they should have made that trade before the draft. Um, making the trade during the draft, halfway through the second round, I th- I think Seems... the way that they did that was what ultimately got them Rosen for as little as they got him for. 
I, I, I think that they'd always intended to go in for something like that, but they were just waiting for that price to come down. Yeah. Yeah, it was like the people who stand outside the bakery at Sainsbury's at uh, half past nine on a on a on a Saturday, just waiting for someone to come out and start discounting all the the raisin loaf. That's exactly what they were going for there, and it's maybe this has worked out for them. I think it's certainly been worth the risk. Is that something you did, sir? Were you standing outside of Sainsbury's with your white label Coca Cola off <laughs> off brand, waiting for the 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 bakery products to get discounted? No, but I did work in the Sainsbury's for like four and a half years, so I saw it plenty. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I've got I've got Patriots to win it. I've got Dolphins should slump this season. Uh, they'll probably get something like three or four wins, I think. Um, but that will allow them to do something well. And, and I, I think that they're going to show enough uh, with the, like in terms of the coaching and stuff like that. I, I think Brian Flores is going to do a half decent job there. But yeah, they, they've got to have it go bad before it can go good. And I, I think that the Jets and the Bills are heading in the right direction. The, the Bills' defense in particular is very impressive. They could cause some serious problems in the league this year. And uh, the Jets, obviously, they've got a lot of youth on their side. They've got one of the best safeties in the NFL in Jamal Adams. And Sam Darnold looks like he could be the real deal. Um, as long as they can sling it out to those wide receivers and get enough protection, um, it could also still cause some problems this season. But what would you rather have? Would you rather have Sam Darnold or preseason Matt Barkley? <laughs> oh, well, you're really putting my back against the wall here. Um, uh, Darnold every day. <laughs> Have you seen Barkley in the preseason? But, yeah, okay, but... He'd like a perfect passing rating in the last game. Yeah, but have you seen him in regular season? <laughs> he won two games for Chicago, and he had a good team. Yeah, exactly, but it's, it's not... I, I will always appreciate Matt Barkley, because I think we've discussed in the first podcast we ever did, is that that game between USC and Stanford that went yeah. to like four overtimes was like the first game I really watched and loved and... Yeah, and I got into it, so I appreciate Barkley and Luck for for that one game. Yeah, and I'll always I'll always root for Barkley if he's playing. But if we're going to say winners and losers, I think the losers of this division are the Bills because just in the end, who cares? Oh. <laughs> what? <laughs> in the end, who cares? Well, okay, guys, that has been the fourth of ever podcast. We're going to shut it no, up now. <laughs> I mean, about the Bills, like they just haven't they haven't done enough. They... But that that defense is phenomenal. It's really really solid. Like that could be like that's it's easily a top five defense. Yeah, we need Ed Oliver to be Aaron Don- an Aaron Donald prototype for me to really get into watching this team play and saying that this season's going to be a be a success because he was their first round pick and you know you you suck for a year to get your first round pick so. Well, like um, in terms of what they've got on the defense, the defensive side of the ball, uh, they've got Jerry Hughes, uh, Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano, an under play, under the radar player, Micah Hyde is a good free safety. Tredavious White is one of the best cornerbacks in the league. You got Trent Murphy's in there too. Starlet Lele, that's that's all right. And then obviously a lot of this is going to depend on what happens with Josh Allen and how they can best utilize him and hopefully keep him healthy. But they've given him some some different weapons. I'm not saying that they're like absolutely game changers or anything, but they're certainly improvements on what they had last year. No disrespect to Robert Foster or Zay Jones. Actually, maybe a little bit of disrespect to Zay Jones, but Robert Foster was really good. Um, 
And they've got the world's largest running back room at the moment as well, with uh, Devin Singletary starting to, to shine. And obviously Frank Gore's Frank Gore. And Christian Wade's probably going to be on the practice squad for them as well. He's He can blow things up. Like, I'm, I'm getting more excited about them a little bit. I did, enjoy watch, I did enjoy watching um, uh, Christian Wade in the preseason. He's, mm. he's been fun. Yeah. I'm looking forward to giving them an opportunity to do something this year. So maybe maybe I'm a little bit higher on the on the bills than you are. Uh, so do, do you have so you have the bills down as the loser? Do you? Yeah, because it matters to them and they haven't done enough. Pizza bet. Dolphins to okay. finish lower than the bills. No, that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> How the dolphins are going to lose the division? Okay, but it's not going to. They're going to be fine with it, and they're going to see some talent and build. Whereas the Bills are going to be in that. Oh, maybe we'll win like seven games, and we'll get the fifteenth pick in the draft. And mm. I just don't think that this this isn't a winning year for them. I just I don't see where they go with it. Um, uh, well, it's hard to ever win anything in the AFC East as long as the Patriots are there, right? Exactly, yeah. and I don't know how you overcome that whereas the Jets are the Jets they're in New York they've got Darnold they've got Levy and Bell they've got excitement and I just don't think the Bills have anything like that yeah at least keep them going alright so we've spent enough time in the AFC East so over to uh, now we're going to head west and we have the well the AFC West so there's the Kansas City Chiefs are who I have topping this one out yep like their, their offense got better their defense who knows Chargers still have an awful lot of potential, but they are looking a little bit thin at wide receiver, and Rivers is beginning to get on a little bit. Uh, their running back situations, I think it's actually okay, because I, I I think that although Melvin Gordon's good, I think the likes of Austin Eckler uh, back there is perfectly serviceable in this league, but obviously their defense is what's really looking crazy scary now, providing Joey Bosa can stay healthy. And then I've got the Broncos, like their additions on coaching staff in particular, uh, as, as well as a couple of additions on the defensive side of the ball, uh, means that that defense is absolutely killer. So I'm, I'm looking forward to them being, a, a, like at very least, a top five defense. Uh, safe to say offense could do with a little improvement. Um, running back room looks good, but... Uh, Again, just thin at wide receiver. Emmanuel Sanders is getting on in years and coming back from a, a very significant injury. I, I, I like the upgrade with Joe Flacco. I, I do believe that is an upgrade. Drew Locke is going to have time to sit in the wings and just do what he needs to do. He might still get Lucky an opportunity he's this year, but Yeah, he's, he's going he's gonna to come out, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Like, I, I, I do believe that Flacco is going to be an upgrade there. Offensive line has got better as well, so... I do think they are trending in the right direction. And the Raiders have Antonio Brown. So who knows? <laughs> Could be anything. Yeah. This is, well, one thing I want the Chargers to do, and they probably won't, and that's fine, but if you're going to be going up against the Chiefs, you really need to go for their jugular in the games you play against them. Like, the Chiefs don't have a great secondary. Like, they've added Tyrell Matthew. But he's down the middle. But their wide their cornerbacks, sorry, are still very average. They haven't got a superstar at cornerback. And I just I want Patrick Rivers to come out and just throw fifty yard bombs to Keenan Allen. Philip Rivers, you know, like yeah, for the first like three or four 
drives. Mm-hmm. Just try and go 14-0 up against the Chiefs. Just try and build yourself a platform so that your defence can do something. Um, I I just I think the, they won the game, the home game, against the Chiefs last year, and that was big for them. They needed to win that game. But I think the Chargers are the biggest... The biggest issue that the Chiefs have to face, because if the the Chargers can steal a game from the Chiefs, it means that they won't be the top of the AFC, which means that they won't be playing at home in the championship game. And that'll probably stop them getting to the Super Bowl. I think the Chargers are the biggest thing to stop the Chiefs getting to the Super Bowl this year. Um, and they just need to go out and really, really go for it. Really, really try and win those games like yeah. straight off the bat. Like just deep balls, just try and try and pick out your superstars on the wings. Um, well, I think that they've they've got to, but the, the primary reason for the Chargers need to do that is because the, the Chiefs are going to be the best at doing that because they have so many options, especially mm. a wide receiver, tight end. They've got a good offensive line. Their uh, their running backs room is a little bit up for grabs, but you know it's it's all there. Like that offensive, like that offense is scary. And uh, but also in terms of the one of the biggest changes that's come in Kansas City is on the defensive coordinator side because we've got Steve Spagnuolo in there, so he's going to be an upgrade. I reckon he's a, he's a much better coordinator than they had in there last season. Um, can he can he find um, how to deal with Edelman in the slot? <laughs> I think that's pretty much come in and be like, please stop Edelman from getting the ball, and we'll get to the Super Bowl. Oh yeah, because he's going to hire a sniper to sit up in the top tier of the stand, and uh, that, that'll plant, be it. Boom! There you go. Plant PEDs. <gasps> dun dun dun. <laughs> <laughs> nah, we'll see. Um, but yes, the Chiefs are winning this division. The Chargers are probably a couple games behind, and then oh, I don't know. I think. The Raiders will have... It's the same as the other division. I think the Raiders will have the lowest games. You know, the wins. They'll probably have like three or four wins. But I think the Broncos will be disappointed this year. You think so? I think that they'll... It won't... I don't think it will go quite the way they want it to. I think they'll make a quarterback change week 10, probably. And I think Drew Locke will be crap. And I think it'll just feel like all the same again. Even though Drew Locke could be really good. I just think they're going to rush it. If if Flacco has a few bad games, they might kind of shit the bed on okay, so their plan. For for the Broncos, where where should we set the over? Are you thinking eight and eight? Uh, yes, oh six games, I'd say. So you're you're thinking six games. Mm-hmm. So in that case, because you have to get the wins from the other games. So if the Pittsburgh are getting eight and eight, and the <laughs> Patriots are going twelve and four. Yeah, the Broncos. I'd say about six. Yeah, well, the, the Broncos and Raiders do have the uh, hardest schedule according to the twenty like combined twenty eighteen records. Um, so they're they're going to be going up a lot, but obviously that stems from having to face the Chargers and Chiefs uh, twice this season, of course. Um, I think we should put a pizza bet on that then. Okay. Bronx, uh, so you're think you're thinking six wins, uh, and so I'll go. So you'll take the under under seven, and I'll take over seven. Okay. Sweet. I'm okay. Happy with that. Um, I, I look forward to my pizza because that defense is going to prove a lot of people <laughs> wrong. It's going to make a big impact this year. Believe doesn't that. Believe that. Matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Defense can be good. It's not going to matter. Yeah, probably not. Offense in that is division, but we'll see how crap. we go. 
Yes. Okay. So, um, that'll do it for the AFC. And I think that we should probably just leave it there for now because that has been a good chunk of time that we've taken up. So, I reckon we'll come back in a few days' time. We'll reassess what we think of the NFC. A few more playoff games to give us a bit more over-the-top predictions. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, let's like just so I can note it down here for my own records because uh, you know it'd be good to revisit this at some point. Um, let, let's go through our winners and losers for each division. So for the AFC North, I had the Browns as the winners, Bengals as losers, and you had the Ravens as winners and yeah. the Bengals as losers. I had the Colts as winners and the Titans as losers in the South, and you had the Jags. Jags as winners and, and the winners. Titans and, oh, well, Titans and Colts. Titans, Titans slash Colts. More on injury. Yeah. yeah. Titans slash Colts with a asterisk. Uh, Patriots, yeah. And I think we both said Dolphins as well. So we're the same on that one. And you said Chiefs as well, yeah? Yeah, definitely. Chiefs. And you said Raiders as well. Okay, cool. So uh, we differ in the... AFC North and the AFC South, but we're pretty much matched when it comes to the AFC East and the AFC West. So, uh, anything more you'd like to add before we sign off then, Darren? No, I'm, I'm pretty happy. <laughs> Sweet. My predictions. I would love the Browns to win. I'm not I'm trying not to be a stan. I'm very much... I want the Browns to win the division. I just think it's a year too soon. It's a and tough, think, tough schedule that they have. And and I've said before, I'm worried they're going to go one and three or two and two in the first few games because they have a very difficult straight out of the bat. Especially they've got a couple of um, prime time games, especially the one against the Jets. I'm really worried about. So yeah. mm. it's like I said. I think my far too early prediction was that the defensive coordinator was going to get fired. Yeah. After four games, so I haven't really changed on that. Um, okay. Well, well, we'll see how that one goes. Like we were remembering most of these, right? Or we're going to have to yes. go back and listen through every single one. <laughs> yes, we just have to get some diehard fans who remind us. Yeah, we're, we're going to have to acquire a diehard fan base by this point. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think um, maybe, maybe we'll be able to do that at some point going forward. We'll have to get. I'll have to properly try and start tracking these somewhere. I've I've written I've written down the pizza bet for the Broncos now. So that is on paper somewhere. I just need to not throw this out. Uh, I'm going to have to note it down somewhere, put it up on my wall or something. We have literally got a drive where you can place these things and we can both see them. Yeah, I I know. but oh, Technology. You know? <laughs> I'm, too, I'm too busy. Too busy. I'm a, I'm a busy man. You work in IT. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, 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 keyword is work, Darren. So that's uh, it keeps me busy sometimes. Um, anyway, so yeah, that will do it for today. Uh, please join us next time when we go through the NFC and who we believe will be the winners and losers in that. Um, we, we can't afford to get someone like Shat Barrett on every week, but um, we'll see what we do in the future. So uh, it's a goodbye and a thank you from me and Darren. I'll see you guys later. All right then. Take it easy, folks. Catch you next time. Yeah.